Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God which we receive with joy this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verses 5 to 28. Then as some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations, he said, These things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. So they asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be, and what sign will, be, will there be when these things are about to take place? And he said, Take heed that you do not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has drawn near. Therefore do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places, and famines and pestilence. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends. And they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babes in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws nearer. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. In a short little while, the Sunday school kids are going to be learning the account of Israel crossing the Red Sea. That account, of course, begins with a rather difficult predicament, problem for the Israelites. Here they are, stuck. In front of them, the Red Sea, five miles of uncrossable water. Behind them, the chariots and the horsemen, the armies of Israel, descending upon them with wrath, intending to utterly wipe them out. No way of escape. It's a cliffhanger that Hollywood would be proud of. 
a good place to end the first movie, right? Make sure everyone comes back for the second. What's going to happen? It's at this point that Moses speaks to the children of Israel and tells them, stand still and you will see the salvation of the Lord. This might be the first time that this phrase or one like it is spoken in Scripture, but it certainly isn't the last. These words of Moses and other similar phrases are used again and again throughout Scripture. As we saw two weeks ago in Psalm 46, Be still and know that I am the Lord. Phrases with similar meanings remind us that God's salvation is at hand, that it's near, that it's coming. It's certainly something that Jesus wishes to remind us of in our text this morning. Now when we hear these phrases, like the one in Psalm 46, be still, we might mistakenly see them as a command from God, much like our mothers may have said when we were young and we had seven, seven of us boys running around the house and our mother said, be quiet. I just want five minutes of peace. In our sinfulness, we might hear God's words in a similar way. Stop running around. Be quiet. But God does not speak these words to us in anger or as a law or as a commandment. Rather, he is speaking to us with a gracious promise and with a word of encouragement. More like when, as a boy, you did something foolish like trying to climb up the side of your house your mother comes out and finds you hanging by your hands by the gutter and says, hold on, the ladder is coming. Help is on its way. That's what Jesus is telling us in our text. That's what Moses was telling the Israelites. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Help is near, close by. Just wait on the Lord. The last verse of our text this morning, Luke 21, 28 but when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. There certainly might be times in our lives where we feel like the Israelites felt, where we feel like we're between a rock and a hard place, stuck between the sea and the armies of Pharaoh. There certainly might be times when we feel like there is no help and no way of escape. It's at these times the passages like Psalm 46 speak to us, that God tells us, hold on, just wait. The salvation is nearer than you think. Of course, the difference between when our mother tells us to hold on and when God tells us to hold on is that God is the one doing the holding. God promises in our text that he is holding on to us, and therefore we have every confidence that we can make it, that we can wait until he brings his salvation. How long is it that we need to wait? How long is it that we need to hold on? Our text is very clear in verse 8. If you look at our text, Luke 21, verse 8. Take heed that you do not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go out after them. Our text specifically tells us not to follow anyone who says to us the time is now or the time is this day or the time is this year or even the time is near at hand. Now, of course, the Bible itself tells us that the, the time is short, that the days are short, 
that Jesus is coming quickly. And therefore, we understand in a general sense that Jesus is coming quickly. And we understand that God wants us to live our lives with the attitude that Jesus might be coming tomorrow. Because he might be. And therefore, we need to get busy today with the things that he wants us to do. Today is the time to repent of our sins and trust in Jesus Christ and share that wonderful good news, that joyful news that he died for our sins because Jesus might be coming tomorrow. The days are evil, and we ought to live as if Jesus is coming tomorrow. So in a general sense, the scripture, yes, tells us the days are short, the time is near, we should live with that attitude. But on the other hand, if anyone attempts to say specifically, for sure Jesus is coming this day or this hour, or Jesus is coming definitely in the next five years, that is where Jesus tells us that is a person we should not listen to because no one knows the day or the hour. Jesus specifically tells us not to follow after such men. That word follow especially as it is in the Gospels, is a call to discipleship. We are to follow Jesus. We are to listen to him and follow his example. We are not to become disciples, followers of men who attempt to predict the day and the hour of Jesus' return. When I was in Africa, the men over there would often ask me, how do we know who is a false teacher and who is a true teacher of God's word. And in general, in order to tell the difference, we need to study God's word, learn what it says, and then examine what those teachers are teaching. Is it in accordance with God's word? But here we have one very clear and very simple example of a false teacher. Anyone who attempts to say, Jesus is returning this day or this hour. God's word is quite clear if you look at Matthew 24, 36. But of that day and that hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven. Again, you can look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 2. The day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Then Jesus explains what it means that he's coming as a thief in the night. It means that no one will expect, no one will know when I am coming. The one thing we could say for sure from Scripture is that if anyone says Jesus is coming on this day or at this hour, that's the day Jesus is not coming. Because Jesus says he will come when no one is expecting him, like a thief in the night. So we do not know how long we have to wait. We do not know how long we have to hold on. But what we do know is God's gracious promise that he is holding on to us. And he will make sure that we make it through to that day. If you look again in our text, verse 18, Jesus gives us one of his gracious, wonderful promises right there. But not one hair of your head shall be lost. With these words, Jesus is promising that he is holding on to us. Everyone who acknowledges that they are a sinner repents of that sin and looks to Jesus for the forgiveness he offers in faith and in trust as we did this morning in our service. This promise applies to us, that Jesus is holding on to us. And so I use the term hold on in our theme, and I've used it a couple times in my sermon as well, but I use it only as a colloquialism, as an expression. 
as a reminder to wait. Because it's not up to us to hold on. We wouldn't make it very long if it was up to us to hold on. But rather, Jesus promises he is holding on to us. Jesus is holding on. We just need to wait, be patient, and we will see the salvation of our God. Now, our text is quite long today. probably noticed that. It goes on for a number of verses, and there's a lot of stuff in there. But if we were to try and study it all, we'd be here probably for the next couple days. But in general, we see that there are a lot of verses here in which a lot of bad things happen. Wars and rumors of wars, persecution, people even being killed for preaching Jesus and being offered up uh, for persecution. Those things are good to study and interesting, but what's really important, it comes at the end of our text, verse 28. But when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Once again, we might be tempted to misunderstand and to misread this verse, as though Jesus is saying to us, when you see these things, then you know that my coming is two years away, or or five years away, or ten years away. As we saw in verse 8, this is not Jesus' intention. These are not signs that Jesus is only so many years away in his coming. We see that also in this verse, because he says these are the beginning. These are the beginning of signs. When you see these things, know that I am on my way, that these things begin to happen, but they do not tell us how long until he comes. Rather, what this verse is really all about is about the attitude that we should have when these things happen. God's word shows us that these things are not a reason for us to be depressed or to be afraid, as we might often think. Oh, the world is going to the pits. Everything is going bad. Everything bad is happening. There's no hope left anymore. Just as the Israelites did not need to be afraid or worried when they saw the Egyptians coming down upon them, the sea on one side and the, uh, the, the armies on the other. So also we do not need to be afraid or depressed when we see all the bad things happening in the world today. Rather, Jesus says, when you see these things, lift up your heads in hope because they are a reminder that Jesus is coming. They're not a measurement of how long until he comes, but they are a reminder that he is indeed coming, and he is coming quickly. There's actually an interesting correlation between our text this morning and Daniel chapter 4 that we've been studying in Bible class. In Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar is told in a vision that because of his arrogance, God is going to humble him. And he's going to act like he's going, his mind is going to be changed so that he thinks like a beast and he eats grass like a beast and he lives like a beast for seven times. Now again, in Daniel chapter 4, that phrase seven times is often mistaken to mean seven years. But in Daniel chapter 4, the word that is used there is purposely they. There are other times, for example, in the dream that Joseph, or the dream that Pharaoh has and Joseph interprets, in which God is very precise. He uses the word for years, seven years. And in Genesis chapter 1, God is very precise, seven days. He uses the time for days. But in Daniel chapter 4, he uses a vague term 
That doesn't mean year or month, but just means a certain amount of time. And so the point of Daniel chapter 4 is not, that how, is not how long Nebuchadnezzar is going to have to be, eat grass like a beast in precise days, but the point is that it will last until God has completed his work in the heart of Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel makes this a point when he interprets the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. He says, you will remain as a beast until you have learned that the Most High is God. The seven times in Daniel chapter 4 is emphasizing that God is at work and that this time is going to continue until God has finished his work. The Greek equivalent of the same word is used here in our text. It is an amount of time that God does not tell us, and we do not know how long it is, but it is going to continue because God is at work until God has completed his work among us on this earth. When I was in India as a missionary, we worked with one man over there who before he was working with us was working with another organization whose goal it was to speak the gospel to every person on earth. And so these people would go from door to door sharing the gospel, certainly a great thing to do, but they would never go back, they would never try and establish churches. Their goal was simply to speak the gospel and try and speak the gospel to every single person. Because they thought, well, once we speak the gospel to every person, the last day will come. But notice, it's not when we have completed God's work, but it's when God has completed his work. It's certainly a great thing to do to go and try and make it your goal to speak the gospel to every single person on earth. But there is that false idea that once we have completed something, then once we have prepared, then God will come. And certainly it's not the case. God is at work. And the time will continue until he has finished that work and then he will come. All these things, all these bad things that we hear about in our text and that we see in the world around us are indications of exactly that, that God is at work. What happens when a cold front meets a warm front? You often get storms and sometimes even tornadoes, right? That's probably an oversimplification, but the point is made. When God is at work in this world, which is evil and sinful, Satan is opposing him, and the result is evil things happen. Wars and rumors of wars, persecution, and many other terrible things. This does not mean that God has abandoned us or that God's word is untrue. Rather, in case, just the opposite. That God is at work in this world to bring men to repentance, to preach his gospel. These things, therefore, are not a source of sadness or depression, but a source of hope. Look, God is at work. His salvation is coming. Wait, wait, and you will see the salvation of the Lord. You will see a salvation greater than God accomplished for the Israelites when he opened the Red Sea to them. There are certainly times in our lives when things feel hopeless and we may feel like giving up. Do not despair. Lift up your heads and wait to see the great salvation of the Lord that is coming. Wait, and you will see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord is going to part for us 
the waters of death and lead us through to the promised land of eternal life. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.